0: Genesis chapter 50 and Lord we just ask right now in Jesus name by your gracious gracious hand you would give us ears to hear what your spirit is saying to the church this evening that we could definitely know your heart and your mind on these things that we're looking into so be gracious to us now Lord in Jesus name amen amen well the life of Joseph Probably no one is a clear picture of Jesus, a type, if you would, an illustration of Jesus, than Joseph. Boy, um, there's a couple of guys that have written books and just comparing point for point for point. And uh, the average is right on 22 of them. But as some guys have 50, some guys, it's just amazing. When you, you look at the life of Jesus and Joseph and and what he went through. But definitely, we see his heart of forgiveness. We see his heart towards his brethren who so badly wronged him. And like our Lord Jesus, the last words were prayer of blessing on those that had wronged him. They know not what they do. That was his heart. It wasn't for himself. I'm in pain, just weaken a little the pain. I'm suffering, help my, you know, let me die and, and get away from my suffering. It wasn't, he wasn't focused on himself at all. His focus was on those who had wronged him and that mercy and kindness would be given to them was the last of his energies. As he died on the cross, <coughs> excuse me, And so tonight, as we finish up here in Genesis 50, verse 15, remember Jacob has now passed away. He was 130 years old when he came to Egypt, and he said, few and evil have been my days. (laughs) He had a hard life, and he sure did, and we all do, but uh, he died at 147, um, and so we know that They've been in the promised land for 17 years now, or excuse me, in the land of Egypt, outside the promised land for 17 years now. So for 17 years, he's been establishing a relationship again with his dad that he had lost, his brothers, all his nephews and nieces and so forth. And uh, when Joseph's brothers saw that their father was dead, they said, perhaps Joseph will hate us maybe actually repay us for all the evil, which we did to him. Uh, This is amazing that when they first came 17 years earlier into the land of Egypt, Joseph went overboard. We looked at this last week there in chapter 45, where he said, brothers, I forgive you, forgive yourself. This was all a part of God's sovereign plan. You didn't send me here. God sent me here. It was through what you did to me. Yes, but it was God and it was his plan because he loves you and he's saving you through me. And, and so be at peace. And, and now 17 years has gone by. And Joseph's thinking the whole time when he sees them and they're all smiling and happy to see him, they're all at peace. That he, they actually believed his words, I, I forgive you. There, there's, I'm not thinking anything negative anymore. I love you. I care for you. Be blessed. God's doing this. It's a wonderful sovereign plan of God. Yes, it meant, it meant slavery, imprisonment for me, but it's okay. I'm willing. I'm willing for God to do whatever He needs to do through this vessel for His name to be glorified. And, and, and. Be at peace. And so for 17 years, he's assuming that they've been walking in faith in his nature and in his words. But now he tragically hears what's going on in their hearts. Joseph has been a phony. He's been acting like, oh, he forgives us. And he's been acting like everything's fine. But when he's sitting at home, he's just stewing planning, plotting. His anger's getting bitter and more bitter. He was just going to kill them 10 years ago, but now 17 years later, he's going to, you know, torture them for 10 years first, and then let them die slowly, you know. And this is what they're thinking, like, this is what's going on. Joseph is just this volcano of bitterness. And, and by now, you know, we're here. He's hanging out. We're playing with his kids. And, you know, they're calling us, you know, Uncle Reuben and Uncle Asher, whatever. But in, in, inside, he's just, just counting the seconds when dad breathes his last. He doesn't want to grieve dad anymore. He doesn't need his dad to be a victim in this hatred of his. But as soon as dad dies, boom. He's gonna let them have it. And so they're they're figuring out, man, we know he hates us and we know what he's gonna do. Interesting, they use these words. He's gonna repay us for evil. You know, I find that very interesting is Paul uses this same exact phrase to the church in Rome. In Romans chapter 12, verse 17, where Paul says there's brothers in the church, sisters in the church that are hurting you, wronging you, and, and, and people in the community. But he says they're quoting this very thing, Romans twelve seventeen. repay no one, what? Evil for evil. Have regard for good things in the sight of all men. I wonder now if Paul was maybe meditating on this passage, about the life of Joseph and and thinking about the words of Joseph to his brothers who treated him so evil. And now he is saying, guys, if somebody in the Old Testament without the Holy Spirit living in them before the cross of Christ could see the heart of God, this God full of mercy and kindness and, and, and forgiveness. And he, he was able to just let the power of God not let his heart be bitter at all, quite the opposite. How much more us in the New Testament, who Christ has paid for all our sins, the Holy Spirit's living in us, how much more we as believers should be able to walk even as our Lord Jesus walked. And and Joseph, what an example here. Well, in verse 16 and 17, It says, so they sent messengers to Joseph. (laughs) These guys, they were confident that it wouldn't be safe to show up themselves. We're gonna send messengers because I think he might kill us on the spot. And they said to him, go, go tell Joseph this message. Now, before your father died, he commanded saying, thus you shall say to Joseph, I beg you, please forgive the trespasses of your brothers and their sin for they did evil to you. Now, please forgive the trespass of the servants of God, of your father. And Joseph wept when they spoke to him. They're afraid. And it's just ripping Joseph's heart to pieces. I mean, he has done everything he can that they would live in peace with no fear. For 17 years, he's been blessing them and doing good to them and speaking kindly to them. And, and, but that, that whole time, they've not had faith in Joseph's nature or his words. And they have been in torment the entire time. And they make up this story. We know you're not going to forgive us, when we ask you, but dad asks us. <laughs> right. <laughs> Dear old dad, you know, do it for dad. Don't kill us, have mercy on him. Dad, that was his dying word. So, Joseph, don't get him back. Don't, don't repay evil for evil. And Joseph is just like, oh, I thought these guys were at peace. I thought they didn't have fear of me. I thought they, they understood that when dad died, there's no retaliation or vengeance or judgment from me coming to them. And, and I'm just weeping right now that they've been living in this torment for all of these years. Interesting, Jesus swept over Jerusalem. In Matthew 23, in the same way, he just says, oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, how I wanted to gather you together as a hen gathers her chicks, but you would not. And now torment's gonna come upon you and continually come upon the nation of Israel until you say, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, until you finally realize that God has sent his only begotten son out of love, out of mercy, out of kindness, willing to be a substitute to die in your place, you're you're never going to be at peace. And Jesus wept. Let's take a note here. There's only one sin God can't forgive. You know what that is? Unbelief. If you're unwilling to believe, he can't help you. Romans chapter 10, verse 8 through 13. What does it say? The word is near you in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith, which we preach. That if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus, believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved for at the heart, one believes unto righteousness. With the mouth, confession is made into salvation. For the scripture says, whoever believes on him will not be put to shame. For there's no distinction between Jew and Greek. For the same Lord overall is rich to all who call upon his name. Whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Do, do you see what a giant door this is? The Lord isn't, you know, opening the door a crack. He's got the, you know, the security chain on there. (laughs) What, you want salvation? Uh, I don't know, convince me. I'm not going to open this door until, you know, he's this cranky old guy. Why do you think I should let you into heaven? Well, Jesus died for me. Not good enough. What else? You know, and it's like, there's just no way. He's got one of those big double doors that are, you know, they, they go 15 feet high and they're just huge. And he's opened them and he's ripped the doors off the hinges. It's just a big hole. Anyone who come, let him come, believe. In 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sin, he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. You know, it's something that that Christians go through where you you know, we've been walking with the Lord for a while. And and I think we sort of convince ourselves that we now need to be better than we used to be. Somehow our human nature is, is supposed to have improved since we've been a Christian a year or 10 years or whatever. But you've got to remember this old flesh doesn't get saved. Your brain didn't get saved. Your hormones didn't get saved. Your hands, your feet didn't get saved. Paul said, oh, wretched man that I am. That is not me, because in me, the spirit's willing, but the flesh. So I'm finding two things. One, there's this principle, this law, where my spirit is willing, and I want to serve the Lord. And and God knows that. I want to walk in perfect obedience. But then my flesh, it's, it's keeping me from doing that. Who's gonna save me from this body of flesh? He answers it. You ready? Thanks be through Christ Jesus, our Lord. So what's the answer? Tell me, what's the key? Thanks be through Christ Jesus, our Lord. It sounds like another sentence. It doesn't sound like you're answering anything. Do you believe in his nature? Do you believe in Jesus' nature? Do you believe in his words? You see, they couldn't believe in Jesus, in Joseph's nature. They couldn't believe that anybody would really be that forgiving. We threw you into a pit. We were going to kill you. We sold you into slavery. You were accused falsely, and up in prison. Nobody can forgive anybody for that. We ripped you away from dad for 22 years. For 20 years of that, you were in a slave and in prison. I, you know, I just, I don't believe such a human being exists. And Joseph, I hear what you're saying, don't believe it. That's not a nature I can comprehend. I hear your words, but I just can't imagine anybody really being that way. You see, how does salvation come? from believing the God that created this world, created you in His image. And when Adam and Eve, our grandma and grandpa, sinned in the garden, (laughs) Jesus knowing the beginning and the end and everything in between already had planned on bringing salvation by giving Himself as a willing sacrifice. And so He did that. He laid down his life. He took all our sins in his body and he died on the cross, paying the penalty. He wrote the check. You are out of debt, but, but I'm a sinner, but all the debt has been paid. But, but I've lusted. All that debt's been paid, but I've been angry. All that debt's been paid. So sometimes people will say, man, I'm you know, Brian, I've been a Christian, year three years 10 years whatever and i just i just don't think i'm forgiven well let me read first john 1 9 if we confess our sin he's faithful he's righteous forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness yeah yeah yeah, i I know that verse well i just want to tell you in the actual greek it doesn't say he'll actually forgive all your sins it's just part of them you're kidding let me look at it again we confess our sins, he forgives us of all our sins and cleanses us from all, what? Yeah. And actually some guys think that uh, Jesus was actually being sarcastic here. He's like, yeah, I'm gonna forgive your sins. And what do they do? They start arguing with me. No way, you're wrong. Jesus isn't being sarcastic here. That, you know, that, it doesn't say that in the Greek. But what do you think it says? It says if if I confess my sin and he's gonna do it, he's gonna forget that sin and cleanse me from all righteousness. Are you sure about that? Well, that's what that verse says. (laughs) You're right, (laughs) you're right. Now believe it, but but my feelings don't believe, who cares? Feelings come and go, but I still feel, I understand. I still feel lousy. I still feel weak. I still feel like a failure. I still feel like I should be better than I am. I still feel like I should be holier and God wants us to be holy and I I get all of that. But we can't get any farther than God gets us there. He's taken the full responsibility. He who began, he's gonna complete. Faithful is he who called you, he's gonna bring it to pass. We just have to keep having that humble heart of God, I'm not satisfied. I wanna awaken in your likeness. I I walk with you, Jesus, and I know how precious and loving and kind and holy and wise you are and how wonderful you are towards me. And I can't stand it, that I'm not that way towards others. And he's like, I'm getting you there, man. (laughs) I'm a shepherd, not a cattle driver, but I'm with you every step of the way We're, we're getting there. And that's my Holy Spirit speaking to you, not letting you be satisfied without walking, even as I walk. Back when I was in college in the 1800s, (laughs) I worked at a pharmacy and I would often work at the very front of the store at the cash register. And uh, I, I was, I think, 19, 20 years old at the time. And people would come in and there was various books and magazines and some were Christians. And a lot of times there were tourists going, oh, what should I read? And I'm like, hey, read that book over there, you know, uh, The Cross on the Switchblade or uh, Late Great Planet Earth by Hal Lindsey or uh, Corey Ten book on forgiveness or The Hiding Place. or And, uh, and this one guy ca- came in and it was like he was out of the movies. He was probably in his 60s, dressed like a mafia guy from Chicago. And, um, and he's looking and I started suggesting a couple of things and he's like, those are Christian, aren't they? And I'm like, yeah, they are. And I just asked him, do you know Christ? And he goes, no, no. And I just asked him, I said, you know, if if you were to die, would you go to heaven? He's, Sort of stunned looking at me, like just such a sadness came over him. And he just said, You have no idea who you're talking to. And you have no idea how wicked I have been. I, I had this sense like he was a hitman. <laughs> That's what he looked like. It was a very dark, dark presence with this guy. And I said, it doesn't matter what you've done. God can forgive it. And he looked at me and said, not even God is powerful enough to forgive me. And I started to, but, but he's like, you know what? If you want to be healthy, don't say another word to me. And I I just remember just being in shock just having the answer. I mean, that was a softball, man. I was ready to hit that one out of the park. But he was completely unwilling to even consider the message of Jesus Christ. There's one thing God cannot forgive, unbelief, an unwillingness to believe that there is a God powerful enough who loves us enough to on the cross, he didn't die for some of our sins, but for all our sins. And all his words are to us now is I love you. I forgive you. I'm writing your name in the book of life. I'll never leave you nor forsake you. Where your sin abounds, my grace will abound more. And this this is the words that we need to believe in his nature and believe in his words. So as we read the story of Joseph in chapter 50, we sort of put ourselves in the place of his brothers, wishing we could be one of them going, guys, Joseph really means it. (laughs) He doesn't have something secret in his heart. There is no secret bitterness, secret anger, secret vengeance. He really has forgiven us with joy and he's forgotten about it. He's not sitting around angry and bitter and, and, and you know he's good for a while, but then he's gonna blow up and, and take us all out and kill all our children. And there isn't that going on, but yet they couldn't believe it. So in verse 18, then his brothers also went and fell down before his face. And they said, behold, we are your servants. Joseph said, Don't be afraid for, am I in the place of God? So he's just tormented at this point. He's weeping. He's, he's just, tears are coming down his eyes and we don't know the inflection in his voice, but I'm giving an inflection in his voice. (laughs) I think he's begging them, guys, I've done everything. So you wouldn't be afraid. Isn't that what Jesus has done for us? In 1 John chapter 4, verse 18, there is what? No fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear because fear involves torment. But he who fears has not been made perfect in love. Then he says in verse 19, for we love him, Jesus, because he first loved us. So I I think we we do the math correctly. I'm I'm a horrible sinner. Matter of fact, I don't know a bigger sinner than me. My wife told me that the other day, Brian, I don't know a bigger sinner than you. She actually told me that, no, she didn't. (laughs) Um, I'm sure she's thought it, but that's another story. But (laughs) we are evil. We are wicked. There's nothing good in us. There's none of us that's good. No, not one. Read Romans 3. Our mouth is full of poison and bitterness and murder. And it's, it's, we deserve to go to hell a thousand times over next to Satan. (laughs) That's us, right? I mean, I don't think too many people are... Sitting here going, well, no, actually I'm doing pretty good. You know, not in prison. You know, haven't killed anybody. Uh, You know what, guys? It's a miracle we haven't done that. (laughs) But the fact is, is that we don't deserve heaven. We definitely do not deserve Jesus being kind to us. And we, we continually repeat weakness. We continually repeat failure. We continually repeat the fact that we are human and sinful bodies and it wears on us and it takes more faith to believe. I mean, I've had many people and I thought this thought myself, but I've had many people say to me, You know, I've been walking with the Lord for a week. I wish I, you know, I came forward on Sunday morning service and gave my life to Christ and I just, you know, went out of the service walking and leaping and praising God, went to lunch. I was so happy. I was full of joy. And then I blew it Monday morning. I, I wish I had walked out of the church, you know, on the way to the restaurant with my friends to rejoice with them. I wish I just got hit by a Mack truck and died. Then I could be certain I'm going to heaven. Because. Every hour that goes by, I'm less certain. (laughs) Is that the way God wants us to think? Of course he doesn't. Perfect love is saying, just like you to your children, if you are parents here, I, I, I don't love you because you're a perfect child. I mean, you could be a horrible child And I still can't stop loving you, right? We want to bless them. We want to help them. We want to encourage them and and see them succeed and prosper. How much more our Heavenly Father? And so it comes back to have faith. Joseph, I don't know anybody that has love like you do. So it's hard for me to picture you being really sincere, saying you forgive us. I don't know anybody has faith like you to, to say, I see God hand in your slavery. I see God's hand in the imprisonment. I see God's hand in being falsely accused of rape. And, and it was, it's all this behind the scenes, the movement of God's hand stirring things to get me here today and your second in command to Pharaoh himself to save us. Do you really believe that? Guys, do you really believe 2000 years ago, God knew every sin you would ever commit in your lifetime? Can God do that? The day you are born till the day you die, God saw in your lifetime, every wrong thought, attitude, word, deed, every sin. Can God, is that hard for God? He knows every sand that turns over. He knows every star and holds them in place. And He took them all on the cross and paid for every one of them. Perfect love, perfect. Every sin, every lust, every greed, every word spoken in anger, every evil, no matter how deep and dark it is. One thing I encourage myself with is Psalms 106. And that's where he says, and then you got so wicked as a nation, you sacrificed your babies to demons, burning them in the arms of Moloch and Dagon. And it says the anger of the Lord stirred against such sin. And then in the multitudes of his mercy, he forgave you, but then you did it again and he forgave you. And then you did it again. This. So when people say to me, well, God can't forgive me. It's like, oh, you, you've burnt your babies to death, haven't you? They look at me like, what? Are you insane? Where did that come from? Even if you had done that, God would forgive you. Psalm 106. You see, God has a perfect love. Now, how does that work? He demonstrates it to us first. How is the world going to know that we are his disciples? By being the first to love. How did salvation come to us? Jesus being the first to love us. We were sinners in our sin and we came and we found out God's not up there with his arms crossed going, okay, I created this world, I created you. Show a little appreciation and maybe I'll listen to all your prayers. That's not what we found out, is it? We came in and we saw that God's arms are open wide and he is screaming at us. I love you. I wanna forgive you. Believe upon me. I wanna write your name in the book of life. Look at this and that and that and that and that and that. Before, you know, 20 years ago, don't you remember? I was, I've been answering your prayers. I've been with you. I've been watching over you and I'm bringing you to myself. Please be willing to believe that I love you, that I love you enough to take for all your sins. It's it's a step of faith. Can such a person exist? Could such a one, could such a love exist? In the same way, the world will know we're his disciples by what? Loving one another first, you see. And then he said, am I in the place of God? In other words, can I ever judge? Well, I think that's what he was doing for the whole nation of Egypt. The fact is, is he did have the power to judge these guys, didn't he? He was the civil government. But that's not what he was saying, is it? he's, He's saying, can I judge your heart? I can't see your heart. Can I judge your thoughts? I don't, I can't see your thoughts. Can I judge your motives? I can't see your motives. And and, and am I some amazingly perfect, holy, righteous guy that I can come in my righteousness and judge you for sins? I'm a sinner. It would be hypocrisy. It's, It's always amazing to me, you know, when I'll, try to be getting out on the road. And I look and nobody's there and I get out and then the car's there and they're looking at me like, ah, and I'm like, looking at them, like going, you've never done that. You know, come on. We've all done that. <laughs> Why are you acting like this, this, this hap- you know, one in a million chance of this happening? I do that regularly. People do that to me regularly. Some guy will look and he can't see me. I'm in his blind spot and he just pulls over and almost crashes into my car on the freeway and I got a brake really quick. I'm like, what are you doing? It's like, I do that. I, why not, man? People are imperfect. Well, he's being selfish. Yeah, he might be. I'm, there's days I am selfish. I, I hate it. Last couple of days, I've just been irritable all the time. I, I have no idea Why? Wake up in the morning, I'm irritable. Cheryl tries to talk to me. I'm like, Ugh. what's wrong? I just like, I'm alive. <laughs> I have no idea. Got to get a smaller bed and get up on the other side or something. I, I don't know. We it just, that's us and our human nature. We, we haven't, we're never going to be in a place to judge. Boy, Romans 14, guys, verse eight through 10 there. For we live For if we live, we live to the Lord, and if we die, we die to the Lord. Therefore, whether we live or die, we are the Lord's. For to this end, Christ died, rose again, lived again, that he, he alone might be Lord, both of the dead and the living. But why do you judge your brother? Why do you show contempt for your brother? For we shall all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. The Christians are gonna stand before the bema seat, that of reward or lack of reward. And the non-believers will stand before the white throne of judgment under condemnation. But it tells us in in 2 Corinthians uh, chapter five, that all we've ever done, word and deed, is gonna be revealed. All that we've done in this body is gonna come to light at that judgment seat. So do you really think You're gonna be able to judge somebody else when all your lifetime of stuff comes to light? Hey, Brian, here's a group of guys that have wronged you. Before I judge you, would you like to cast judgment on them? Well, actually I would, thank you, Lord. I'm judging you for this, 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 and this, you know, you hurt me and you you know. you. Okay, thank you, Brian. Okay, now let's judge you. Everything comes to light. (laughs) Do you think it's gonna look much different? Do you think it's gonna look better? No, we, we've, we're all in the same human flesh. There's no sin that's not common to all men. Boy, 1 Corinthians four, Paul says it so well. He says, God's just gonna look at us and not pick us apart. He's just gonna ask us, have we been faithful? Have we not grown weary and well-doing? Have we just kept the faith, trusting in his goodness, following him the best we can? Lord, I've made a mess of it. I have stumbled and fallen in so many ways. And he's just gonna say, did you, did you trust me to the end? Were you like on your last words going, God, just forgive me, cleanse me. I trust in your cross, Jesus. Yes, I was. That's it. Come on in. That's that's what I'm looking for. Have you been walking faithful? Now, these other things you've done, I want to reward you for them. But then he says there in 1 Corinthians 4, verse 4, For I know of nothing against myself, yet I'm not justified by this, but he who judges me is the Lord. Therefore judge nothing before the time until the Lord comes, who will bring to light the hidden things of darkness and reveal the counsels of the heart. Then each one will receive his praise from God. So Jesus lived and died and rose again that he could be judge. In John 5, Jesus says, all judgment has been given from the Father to the Son, that all would honor the Son as they honor the Father. And Jesus is gonna be the one who brings all things to light. Anybody wanna step up and volunteer to be the first guy for that to happen to? Ah. That's why Paul says in 2 Corinthians 5, knowing the terror of the Lord, we persuade men. Realizing that every one of us, believers, non-believers, are all gonna have to present ourselves before God and all that we've done is going to be brought to light. That's why Paul says, whether I'm absent or present in this body, I walk to be pleasing because I do know that such a thing's going to happen. So again, as you judge, you're going to be judged. And so Joseph here says, I can't be a judge. I'm not God. So only God can judge. Secondly, I'm not him. (laughs) So since I'm not God, I can't judge you. In Isaiah 45, he says, I alone am the Lord. There is no other, there's no God besides me. And then he says this, no matter what anyone has done evil against me. And I'm like, I've never done that to anybody. And that could be true. Joseph's thinking, I didn't try to kill somebody. I didn't try to throw somebody into prison. I didn't try to throw, sell somebody into slavery. i would never been evil like you. It doesn't give him anything. He says, even though you have been evil to me in ways I've never been evil to people, that doesn't make me righteous. That doesn't give me a qualification to judge you because I've not been as wicked as you have been. It's ridiculous. In Matthew 7, 1, it says, this is, here's your memory verse for the week. Matthew 7, 1, judge not that you be not judged. You know, I could just say that. I mean, I could have got up here tonight and just said that and walked off. It's just that simple, isn't it? I mean, Jesus is saying as simple as it can be, judge not, don't condemn. The word there is condemn. Don't condemn. So you're not condemned. And then he says with the same judgment you use, it'll be used back on you to the same measure. It'll be coming back to you. I don't know about you, but when I am stumbling and I do stumble and fall, I want people to be kind and merciful and understanding. Don't you? Even those who have not stumbled in the way I've stumbled, I want them to go, man, I've never experienced that or been there or done that. But man, I I know my heart's wicked. I could, but man, I want to have mercy on you. And so God will judge when and how he chooses to judge. But for us, He's commanded us to love. The Lord didn't say, Now, one day I'm going to judge everybody, but until then, help me out. Okay? So do, do some judgment with a little j. <laughs> and one day I'll do the big judgment with the big j. Is that what he says? He just says, Don't do it. It's, it's not beneficial to them, it's not beneficial to you. And I'm going to look at that critical fault-finding heart of yours. And I'm going to want to judge you the way you've been judging other people. So don't judge. Just love. I mean, isn't that what Joseph is doing here? Am I in the place of God that I can judge you? I'm just going to love you. I'm not going to judge you. I'm just going to love you. And that's exactly what Jesus does. And that's what we've been called to do. Well, in verse 20 here, we're almost done. But as for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good in order to bring it about as it is this day to save many people alive. So he's saying the same thing he said 17 years earlier. He's repeating it again. And he's saying, I got it. You are saying to me, Joseph, we didn't just wrong you. We didn't just just say, you look fat in those jeans, or, you know, when you laugh, you look like a hyena. You know, it wasn't like we we insulted. we did evil. We were gonna murder you had Reuben not talked us out of it. Then we sold you into slavery and you ended up in prison as a rapist and 20 years of, incredible torment because of what we did. And Joseph is saying, guys, I've computed it. I get it. I mean, you're you're acting like I I don't realize what you've done, like like I haven't thought about it deeply. But once I do think about it deeply, then I'm going to hate you. That's what they're saying. And he's saying, guys, I have thought about it deeply. I have connected all the dots. I'll I'll say it to you. What you did was evil and I forgive you for it. (laughs) I mean, he thought he said that, but, but evidently it wasn't clear to them. I'm not forgiving you for the little things you did against me. I'm forgiving you for the giant things you did against me. I'm not forgiving you for For hurting me. I'm forgiving you because you were evil, and I'm forgiving you of that evil. And as I have said, I see the sovereign God of hand saving you, saving me, saving our entire nation through my difficulty. And I've accepted that. I I realize God had a plan, He, He gave me a couple of dreams about it. That one day, remember the sheaves you bowing down, that one day I would be in a place of authority over you. God, God gave me that prophecy. It never came to pass. And I knew he wasn't done with me, even though I was a slave, even though I was in prison. I knew God was, had a sovereign plan. He had prophesied it to me through a couple of dreams that I told you about, and you hated me for it. But, but God is sovereign. Do you, do you guys get that? If you don't live that way, you're gonna be better. You're gonna be better. Does God, Romans eight twenty eight. we what? Know, not feel, not see, but believe. We know it. We believe it. That all things, spiritual things, every kind of thing. I got a flat tire. God was in it. Stubbed my toe. God was in it. I got arthritis and had to get two knees and an ankle replaced. God was in it wife's divorcing me. God's not doing it. God's not confirming it. God not wanting it. But God saw it before the foundations of the world. And for you who are loving him and are called according to his purpose, God's going to turn it around for good. I try to talk her into not divorcing me. I, I know. I'm sorry. God, God won't evade our free will. But for you, He'll turn it around for good. But my, my son died. God's gonna turn around for good. Well, I ended up in prison and I'm innocent. I've been there for 20 years. God's gonna turn around for good. He's not taking anything away from you. God never takes away left you getting better. Even though it seems hard and tragic, God gave Joseph the best possible life, even though he was a slave, even though he was in prison, he didn't give him second best. He gave him first best. Do you believe that? You see, that's, that's walking sovereignly. He's saying, guys, it's fine because even though it was hard for those 20 years, 22 years, even though it was hard, I, I, God was with me. <laughs> and, and I was, had my eyes on the Lord and it didn't matter what kind of hardship comes. I mean, hardship's coming sooner or later, right? If you haven't already had it, hang in there. You're going to get your share. (laughs) Rejoice. Plenty of trials are left for you. And if you're not looking at the sovereign hand of God, hey, you meant it for evil. Yeah, I don't care. I forgive you. God has a plan for good. and I Thank you, Lord. (laughs) I'm not thanking you for it, but I'm thanking you in it. And everything, give thanks for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus, right? And so there's just that point where we come to understand you meant it for evil. God, God knows this. We're sinners. So we sin. Okay. Is there anybody here without sin? Come on up. You know, we're going to find out you're a liar in about 10 seconds, but I'd be interested in seeing this. We're we're sinners. So we sin. We sin against God. God knows this. That's why he, he says, I've prepared myself. I know, little children, I write to you that you don't sin. But if you do sin, I'm here for you. I'll be your advocate. I'll be the propitiation for your sins. Hey, guys, don't sin. But if you do sin where your sin abounds, my grace will abound more. Hey, guys, hang in there, man. Be strong. But if you're not, 2 Timothy 2.13, he remains faithful even when we're not faithful because he can deny his own nature. I've already prepared myself, God's saying. I've already prepared that you're a sinner and you're going to sin. And it's not going to affect my love for you. It's not going to affect my mercy. It's not going to affect my attitude. It's not going to affect my forgiveness. How much more we need to get that? Man is going to sin against you. They don't want to, but they are. I'm going to sin against you. You're going to sin against me. Husband, wife, children, parents, neighbors, people in the church. We, we can't stop being human with all the human failure. It's there. So we just need to get our mind set in that way. In Matthew 18, remember Peter's trying to do this. He's like, Lord, how many times shall we forgive our brother? Seven times? <laughs> what does God say back to him? What does Jesus say? Not seven times, but what? Seventy times seven. What? Galatians 6.1. Brethren, prepare yourself. Get this in your brain right now. If a man is overtaken in his trespass, you who are spiritual, restore such a one in the spirit of gentleness. Look into yourself, lest you also be tempted. It's, it's going to come around. <laughs> I'm over here helping this guy, limping along in his sin, struggling, and then... One of these days, I'm going to be the lumping guy and he's going to be carrying me, right? Don't, don't get all spiritual and haughty thinking above what you are. And this is what the Bible just makes it clear. So just get in your head. Ephesians 4, let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor, evil speaking, be put away from you. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one others. God's forgiven you be imitators of God as dear children, walk in love as Christ has loved us, giving himself for us and offering a sacrifice to God for a sweet smelling aroma. Don't judge that you're not judged. Let, let let this man's evil towards us humble us. Well, you, you made me a slave. Well, aren't we? <laughs> I mean, isn't that what Jesus said we're to be? Jesus said, I didn't come to be served, but what? To serve. That's the word slave, guys. In Philippians 1, let this mind be in you, which is also in Christ Jesus, who being God, came into human flesh. So to say he was God, that was nothing prideful. That was just fact. But in human flesh, he humbled himself until he was the lowliest of all slaves. So let this mind be in you. Well, that guy hurt me. He treated me like I'm just a slave. Okay that hurt you, forgive him. And by the way, just let it happen because you are a slave and you should feel that way more often. Jesus washed the feet. Lord, you're not going to wash my feet. I, this is humbling to let you. Hey, this is who I am. Blessed are you if you do the same. Well, he treated me like I'm a criminal. I'm a prisoner. Aren't we? Paul says in Hebrews chapter 13, remember those who are in chains and be with them in chains. He says that, although you're not suffering in prison, be with them in spirit as if you're suffering with them in prison. Paul says, I'm a prisoner for Christ's sake. So whatever a man throws at us, let us be humbled. I, you know what? You're, you're, you're treating me evil. I, I, I deserve it. <laughs> and if I don't deserve it, it's Okay. Jesus, when he was cursed, didn't curse back. When he was reviled, he didn't revile in turn. But he just humbled himself to the point of death, even the death of the cross. And that's how salvation came to us. And so again, there's that heart of faith that just trusts in the sovereign hand of God. And finishing here in verse 21. Now, therefore, do not be afraid. I will provide for you, your little ones. Comfort them and spoke kindly to them. Do you, do you understand what love is? It's, it's doing, it's acting. It's not saying, well, I won't throw you into a pet. <laughs> I won't throw you into a slavery. I'm going to be kind to you, and I'm not going to make you a slave like you made me a slave. I mean, what would his brother say to that? Thank you. Thank you. But is, is that what happened here? He wasn't neutral. Okay, now that dad's dead, I'm not coming to any more family reunions. Don't talk to me. I'm not talking to you. I'm going back over to the palace with Pharaoh. You guys are on your own now. See you later, Chums. He wasn't Switzerland. Love isn't neutral. Love is doing something. We see him in a very practical way. What does he do? He, he says, I'm going to give you guys... Supplies, provisions, food. Isn't that what the Lord told us to do in Romans 12? If your enemy's hungry, what? Feed him. If he's thirsty, give him to drink. Then he, secondly, he comforted them. Where do you think he learned how to comfort them? Paul says in 2 Corinthians 1 I learned to comfort others by how God comforted me. I was in a place where I was pushed above measure, beyond strength, despairing of life itself. And in that time when I thought I'm dead, life's over. God of all comfort comforted me in this way that I can't explain it, but I feel it and I'm strengthened by it. And since I've had that very deep, dark, lonely, isolating, hard, tormented place, I'm a different person. And I can have understanding and kindness and gentleness and love towards you in a way I never had before I went through that very dark time. Boy, Joseph went through some dark times, didn't he? And the Lord was with him. And now he's comforting these guys. And then the last thing, he spoke kindly to them. Wow. Our Lord Jesus, that was the people marveled at the gracious words in which Jesus spoke. In Proverbs 16, 24, pleasant words are like a honeycomb, sweet sweetness to the soul and health to the bones. Well, I just wanna end with this passage. We think of Joseph, a man who was put through so much grief, but what an example he is to us of Jesus, but also as a pattern. Of how we are to walk, in Second Corinthians chapter four, verse seven. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels, that the excellence of the power may be of God and not of us. We are hard pressed on every side, yet not crushed. We're perplexed. I'm confused. I have no idea how this works. You know, but we're not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Struck down, but not destroyed. Always carrying about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life of Jesus also may be manifest in our body. For we who live are always delivered to death for Jesus' sake, that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our mortal flesh. So death is working in us, but what? Life in you. Well, Lord, thank you for your word here tonight, God. And we just are sort of dumbfounded processing, seeing you, Jesus, through the life of Joseph, coming to this final chapter in the book of Genesis. In these last few words from creation to these words of Joseph, hearing your heart, your final message in this book of Genesis is your heart of, of giving and comfort and kindness to those who are so evil, but yet free from all bitterness, free from all anger, free from all malice, and Lord, we now see clearly. We don't see through a uh, uh, not seeing Jesus clearly. We've seen you, Jesus. We've read the gospels and we see the pattern more clearly than Joseph ever could have seen it. And so Lord, help us now to deny ourselves, Take up that mind that was in you. Take up our cross, let dying be present in us and just life in others. No more judgment, no more condemnation, just love, forgiveness, kindness heal us, Lord, cleanse us, wash us. In Jesus' precious name, amen.